you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, a JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. As we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome into the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bren. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined once again by the <laughs> big Tennessee Homer. Cousin Shane. <laughs> hey, buddy. What's going on? Oh, man. I can't tell you how much I've missed that voice, but I can certainly tell you the listeners have missed it because that's all <laughs> the damn feedback we've gotten. Where's Cousin Shane? Just glad to have you back, buddy. Oh, man. Hey, don't don't get me wrong. I have enjoyed the time with the family uh, the first month, you know, second month. It's like... <laughs> Let's go back to work. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's been nice hearing you and Joe on there, and uh, you guys have been doing great. And uh, I caught up on all the episodes last week, and I said, you know what? I'm ready to get back into this thing. Absolutely. Make this show what it could be. And, you know, let's just jump right into it because we've got a ton of news here in the SEC. We're going to go around the league here in a minute. But, you know, something Cousin Joe and I discussed on one of the recent podcasts, I had no idea – you know, I try to make these weekends as entertaining as possible because we don't, we obviously don't got sports on. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in the off season. There's not much football going on, so I really like to talk college football on the weekends. And my latest venture into doing that was discussing these third down quarterback <laughs> passing numbers. And my God, you put Garantano number one on a list. By God, you better be ready for <laughs> not only the SEC but of all Twitter to come right back at you. So. You know, once again, I'll just do these briefly here because I don't want to run down all these numbers, but against Power 5 defenses and ranked opponents. So I threw out all these cupcake games because I just I just don't think you can learn much from those type mm-hmm. games. Garantano led the SEC third down passing 65% completions. Kyle Trask, very respectable, 64.1. Jamie Newman, 58.1. Mac Jones, 55%. Helinski, 53.6. Schrader, 51.5. And then down on the list, I thought this was the most surprising thing. We got, well, Bo Nix, I guess it's not a ton of surprise here, 48.2%. But the stunner to me, Kellen Mond all the way down at 47.1. And we're talking John Rice Plumley, who we all know is not a great passer, is only at 40.9%. So Kellen Mond just above John Rice Plumley, And that doesn't make me write off Kellen Mond and the Aggies, but... You know, this is something that 
You're three years into your starting quarterback there at Texas A&M, going into year four, never been that accurate of a guy. Uh, for all the blowback I got on Jer- Garantano being number <laughs> one, the biggest stunner to me was just how far down Kellen Mond is on that list. And like I said, I'm still high on the Aggies, but I just don't know if they're going to you know, win the SEC if he's playing like that. Well, listen, Mike, if you've listened to this show at, at any point, you know how I feel about JG. It is a hate, love, love, hate relationship. You know, there's times I just wish, you know, he'd just transfer on out of here. But there's times he won us some ball games last year, man. And a lot of that came on a third down situation. So there's, I, I've apologized quite a bit to him online. And, and that's kind of the reaction you saw. There was a whole bunch of people just really angry. Mm-hmm. And then some people were defending him. And, the, and rightfully so, because I think there was a few games last year he did help us win. But um, I want to talk about Mond. Uh, sitting there, what, what was the number again? 40 what percent? 47.1, which is which is dreadful very, at I mean, the very bottom of the that. SEC. That means... Every time it was third down and he went back to throw a pass, half the time you were really disappointed. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And this is a guy that that we've been hopping up for several years now, and a lot of people are, are starting to get back on that hop wagon again. But I, I really think we've seen what we got out of Kellen Mond. It just we need the pieces around him to get better because I don't think it's going to be with his arm. You know what I'm saying? The one thing about these numbers, again, this is just strictly passing. So you got guys like Mon and John Rice Plumley at the bottom of this list. But what it doesn't factor in, obviously, is their ability to move the chains with their legs, which we know Kellen Mon can do. We know John Rice Plumley can do. So mm-hmm. it's not a total indictment of Kellen Mon. It's not saying that uh, you know he should sit his ass on the bench his senior season by any means. But I think the goal in College Station should be for the Aggies to make Atlanta this year, and they're just not going to get that done if those are the numbers he's got. Now, I'm not saying he's going to, you know, maybe he does take a big step forward, but it just seems like we've been saying that for about <laughs> two off seasons now, and I just don't know if it's going to come. I think Texas a and going to have to get creative to be a lot more successful on third down because I just don't know if you're going to be able to count on Kellamon to do it through the air. Well, I mean, it's the money down, Mike. Everybody's that's when all the eyes are on the TV because if not, you're punting, you know. And, and the thing about the money down is it's it's very situational. You know, it's easy to look at numbers and say, hey, this guy sucks and this guy's good. But, you know, it, it could be a combination of things. It could be the offensive line not able to hold up, or it could be, you know, the receivers not able to get open, or it's, it could be the coaching staff, man. Maybe, maybe. You know, they're just not dialing up the plays. They know what they got with Kellen Mond. Maybe that's the problem is the third down play calling doesn't cater toward his, you know, his benefits or, or what he's good at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, again, going back to these numbers, I was really impressed with Kyle Trask considering the fact that, you know, hell, he entered the year. He wasn't even the starting quarterback, had to come off the bench, rallies them to a win on the road against Kentucky and just kind of, you know, stayed with that momentum the whole season. And even the two games Florida lost, LSU and Georgia, that's when he performed his best. Those were two of his better games in the SEC. So I think by this time next year, I would not be surprised at all if the guy we've got is the best quarterback in the SEC, Kyle Trask. I think he's going to be number one on this list next season. Yeah, for sure. Hey, let me ask you, you know, because I I saw it 
I saw it online, Mike. You know, Terry Wilson didn't play last year. Uh, Costella didn't play last year. Is there any of these guys that you saw, you know, watching film study that, you know, you felt like when they were playing uh, third down, you know, just became, I don't know, they were more efficient than most or less efficient? Yeah, when it's Terry Wilson, on, unfortunately, I think I would have to say less efficient. But again, he's a, one of these guys that can run for the first down. So you got to factor that in. Now, how willing is he going to be to run coming off an injury? And, you know, this will be two years in a row he's been injured. Mm-hmm. Obviously only one year where he was season ending. But you got you always wonder how that's going to affect not only you physically, but mentally, your, your willingness to run. And then mm-hmm. when it goes to Costello, if you go back and watch – so he was a junior last season, and it was not very good. But it started first game, I believe. He got a concussion, and he was just kind of downhill from there. But his sophomore season, I mean, they were saying this guy could potentially come out and be potentially a first or second round NFL pick. So if he mm-hmm. returns to that form, I think he's gonna—he's another one that could shoot up these uh, rankings here. And of course, playing in a system, you know, nothing against Stanford—they've been very successful, but. You know, outside of Andrew Luck, I can't think of many successful quarterbacks in that system, whereas you talk Mike Leach, I can't think of many unsuccessful quarterbacks he's had. Right. That's a good point. All right, so skipping ahead here, wanted to mention this briefly here. We love to talk about all 14 SEC teams when we can, so anytime I got something like odds to win the conference next season, I'm going to throw it at you guys, the latest odds from – William Hill Casino, based out of Las Vegas. Let's start at the bottom here. Vanderbilt, 1,000 to 1. Ooh, babe. At least put a dollar on it, you know? Don't put that <laughs> stimulus check on it, though. <laughs> no, 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 no. Arkansas, 750 to 1. Mm. Then we got a big jump here. Missouri, all the way up to 300 to 1. And then here we get right in the meat of it. Mississippi State and Ole Miss and South Carolina all listed at 150 to 1. Kentucky, 100 to 1. Now we're getting right here. You go, Shane. Tennessee, 60 to 1. And then here's the top contenders Texas AM, 10 to 1. Auburn, 8 to 1. LSU, 11 to 2. So basically 5.5 to 1. Florida, 5 to 1. Georgia four to one, and then Alabama, of course, the favorite at minus twenty. So there's not much value on that one. But I think my favorite thing about these odds is I cannot remember a summer going into SEC football where we got six teams with ten to one odds or better. And I think that's just a late the latest indication that we're in for a you know forget coronavirus, but even if it was just a normal season, we are going to have a SEC season that is basically a complete toss-up. I love it, Mike. I love it. It just seems like for so long it's like we had our clear-cut favorite, you know what I'm saying? And then maybe that second team could sneak in. But I don't know. The way LSU ran the board last year, they weren't a favorite. You can't really count a lot of these teams out. So uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this season. I just pray that it happens, Mike. Mm-hmm. I, I what, Let me ask you real quick, and I don't want to get off the betting subject too far, but – I've heard a couple of things uh, about fans wearing masks. Have you seen the Georgia Tech photo <laughs> floating around with the Spanish flu? Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that? Absolutely. I mean, uh, I've, I've got my mask ready. I don't know about you, just in I case did, I need I, it. 
I'd wear that damn mask. I would. But if I are you a fan of zero audience? Like you, I don't know if you watch this UFC fight, but it, it's different, man. It's mm-hmm. it's different watching a sporting event without fans in the stands. What 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 are your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'd hate to see it because, you know, that's why we love SEC football because these damn fans are the best in the world. I think at any sport, most passionate, most caring, uh, mm-hmm. even if your team drops a game. I mean, you put it out there recently with the crying girl video. You know, <laughs> you lose an SEC game, you're you're down in the dumps, but by the end of the night, you're just saying, well, hell. We, we got to win out, <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you know, you talk yourself into believing Anything's possible, and, you know, college football can, is a game of momentum, and that's why, you know, as much as people want to make it out that it's like Alabama and Clemson and it's just going to be one of them that win it, that's what they were saying heading into last year. Last I checked, LSU whipped both their ass. So you get on that momentum, you you know, the entire organization, all the fan bases, everything, you get it moving in the right direction. Momentum is a crazy thing in college football, and much of that has to do with the fans in the stands willing their team to victory. So, of course, that's the way I want to see it. I'm hopeful that we can get it that way. But, hell, at the end of the day, if they say, you know, the, we got two options here. We can do no fans and play college football, or we can just cancel the whole damn thing because we can't have fans. I'll say, well, <laughs> I'll be sitting my ass right in front of the television <laughs> and watching it, you know, so – Obviously, I want the fans there, but right. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I honestly, I think the way it will work, and this is, again, please don't be taking my advice on diseases. Listen to the experts. But I think the way it's probably going to work out is when they open it back up, I think it's going to be, you know, they're only going to allow, I don't even know what the number would be, but maybe like 40% of the stadium and, and see how it goes. And then if it's if it keeps going well, 50%. And then sixty percent, and so on, until we get to a hundred. Can they all be balls? You know, like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think that's honestly. I don't. I know you're joking, but that's probably the way they do it. You know, because they would want fewer people traveling from outside. Well, obviously, there's people going to be traveling outside the city, but you know, outside the state, and so on. So, but that's just a guess. You know, I don't have any inside knowledge of that. I think we're still a ways out from all that, but. It's just going to be just as wild as the season. It's going to be wild to see how all this plays out. Yeah, I mean, you keep I keep hearing one thing, and then it goes back the other. I, I'm hearing that they're going to have, like, I don't know, some things they're going to hammer out in July and mm-hmm. needs to be ready by then. So, I mean, these decisions will be made sooner than later. I don't know. It's just I guess we're all sitting there waiting. Somebody asked me, uh, you know, because some they're talking about some California teams and things like that not even playing. And uh, – uh, what would what it look like, you know, if it was just SEC to play and then you crown an SEC championship? And and I I responded, uh, you know, at this point beggars can't be choosers. And, and if twelve games, five games, two games is all I get, by God, I'm going to watch them, you know. Absolutely, so. and in this, I'll I'll make a promise to you right now, Shane. If uh, if they just do SEC football this year, yeah, I will recognize that SEC champion as the national champion <laughs> <laughs> until the end of time. You know what? I'll definitely tweet UCF on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing for fans to really be on the lookout for, I think this will give us all a good indication of where things are going. Greg Sankey recently did an interview here with uh, Atlanta 
TV station to ask about SEC media days. Uh, but before we get jump to that clip, I did want to make this note. He's been very vocal, Greg Sankey, that is. He does not want to do any kind of situation where, you know, SEC media days is set to be in July. They do not want to hold that and then be like, okay, well, we got to wait six months to football. You know what I mean? So Uh if they announce it's going ahead as planned, I think that's a very, very, very good indication that they're thinking the season's going to play out. Now, if they come out and say, you know, we're going to delay media days a month or two or what have you, I think that'll, again, that'll give you a good indication that the season will be delayed a month or two. So that's just a little insight there. So fans, you may not be, I know SEC media days is a fun time for some people. Maybe some people don't like it, but really pay attention to what the schedule is for SEC media days. And that'll give you an indication of where the season's going. So let's jump to uh, Greg Sankey real quick here. SEC media days on track to have them here in Atlanta in a few months. Yeah, as of today, we um, obviously have to go into contingency planning mode, and we started that back in April with our staff. Our focus is on, uh, I would love to have media days in person, and, and so we want to focus on being prepared, and, and like anything else, we're going to have to adjust out of that. Being in the College Football Hall of Fame is special for us. Atlanta is a place where a couple of years ago, we began our season with media days and ended with our championship, we had that great um, all SEC national championship game. And so it's a special place for us. We wanted to see the NFL draft to see what this uh, new use of technology could look like. We learned a few lessons there. ESPN did as well. So if we have to adapt, we will. But that's not exactly what I want to do, but it may be what I have to do. All right, Shane. So once again, I like to credit Greg Sankey for his leadership during this time. I think he's been outstanding. You've not really seen any you know, he's not making any bold predictions, but he's not being pessimistic at all. And it seems like he's trying to convey, you know, the most up-to-date information he's got. And it certainly sounds like, for the time being, SEC Media Days is on schedule for Atlanta in person. And that's pretty much all we can hope for at this point. Oh, it's all we want, too, you know? I mean, the chance of getting Leach down there, getting, uh, you know, I mean, we've got the Pirate, we're going to have um what's his name out there joey freshwater you know coming in i mean this is this is going to be an awesome media days and i want it to happen because there's going to be a lot of personalities a lot of new coaches you know you're going to have uh i'm looking forward to sam Pittman. you know just some of those guys just getting in there and and you know chewing the fat with the rest of the media. So I hope that it's a go. It's a lot better in person. Don't get me wrong. The NFL draft was great. It was, it was sports man. in this, in this time where we don't have sports. So I was excited about it, but it, it was missing something, man. You know, it, it, it just didn't feel personal. So I hope that, that they, they let these guys get down there and, and uh, you know, just get back to, to normalcy, you know? Absolutely. And you know, it is funny you mentioned that because this seems like the most all-star lineup of SEC coaches <laughs> I can ever remember. So, uh-huh. my goodness, we needed even when they hired Coach Drink up there in Missouri. I was like, all right, who's this guy? But he's shown some personality. He's eager to call people out if he if he needs to, and he, I think he's doing an outstanding job. I know it's early, but I'm even curious to see what he'd have to say. You know, we're going real quick on the Missouri. You were talking about those betting lines earlier. Uh-huh. I, I noticed a lot of Missouri fans stepping up, a little upset that, that they got a little disrespected by uh, by Vegas there. Do you think 
do you think we're sleeping on i think they're what 300 to to one is that where they're at right now yes sir 300 to one and that is interesting because again missouri you know a lot of these obviously it's the same story with a lot of these first year coaches where they didn't get to put in their system they may not know what they're working with but at least at missouri they've kept you know the key components of that defensive staff Defense wasn't an issue at Missouri, particularly early in the year before, you know, some injuries racked up. But Missouri's defense could be solid once again. And what killed them last year was obviously the other side of the ball where Coach Drinkwitz, I mean, just went Appalachian State. He led them to 12-1. and That team ended mm-hmm. up 13-1, and but he, he left before the final game. But, hell, there's a lot of people thinking – you know, they, yeah, he put a few people in the the draft too. It seems like absolutely. I heard happy a few times. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a there's confidence down there in Columbia that you know they may have hired the next big name coach because hell, who knew? You know, a lot of these guys were like Gus Malzahn. Remember, as soon as he got in there at Auburn, I know he had a little bit of a track record, but you know, you just never know what you're getting in one of these guys. And if Missouri hit the jackpot with this guy, you know, they, yeah. they, they threw a ton of money at him. They've clearly got confidence. He's going to do something mm-hmm. that might be one to watch because it, it just seems like Missouri's always got a chip on their shoulder. They always yeah. play Georgia and Florida tough. I mean, Florida fans will tell you half the time. It seems like they're getting their ass kicked by Missouri. So <clears throat> that you might be onto something there. Yeah. But before uh, we go around the league, we got one more clip. I really enjoyed this one. This was uh, Will Muschamp and Kirby Smart. They were recently on CBS Sports, one of these Zoom meetings we've all (laughs) unfortunately become so accustomed to here in recent weeks. But they were talking about their days working for Nick Saban and having to carry around these damn tapes. (laughs) When we were at LSU, we went to Exos, which is all computer. So when when we first got there, Nick would only work with beta tape. So you had to insert it in and out. Well, I was always by the computer and I would always just click to go to the next play or the next segment that we wanted to watch. And for four years, Nick asked me, is it rewound yet? And I had to explain to him, it doesn't <laughs> rewind anymore. And finally, I just quit. I quit saying, yeah, coach, it's rewound. We're good to go. We're good to go. Hey, that was my rookie year out of coaching. And I had to carry like beta tapes, almost, almost like VCR tapes. I had to carry 30 tapes over to the meeting room from my office. And I'm like, why are we taking these tapes? Because they're all on the computer. You can just click on them on the computer. And he wanted the tapes there. He didn't trust the computer was going to work. So he was like, that computer, you better have those tapes. And I was like, okay. So I carried these tapes every day to the meeting. I'm like, it's right here on the computer. And Coach Saban will see this show and and see Will struggling with the Zoom and say, see, I told you. (laughs) I'm not very very sound on all this stuff. I'll be honest with you. Will, it's it is great to have you. How have you been, we, Kirby? Kirby, I don't know if you heard him, but he was joking about the times you guys lived together and what it would have been like to uh, end up in quarantine <laughs> together too. We would have grown yeah, out a lot. Well, it's uh, we had we had a great time in Valdosta. Uh, I think Kirby had been it was in the NFL and got cut, and I was a, a, a defensive coordinator at Valdosta State, and he came down to live with me and Carol for. Well, it was about three or four months at least for a while there in Valdosta, wasn't it? It was cheap living, man. I got to live with him and hang out, and he grilled, and uh, I did most of the drinking. He did most of the cooking, so we <laughs> had a good true. time. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, how great is that? Old man saving even 20 years ago, he was too old for what these whippersnappers <laughs> were up to. But, 
you know, he he's got his old school way, and obviously it works more than more than it doesn't because he's the the greatest of all time for a reason. But it was kind of funny to I really like this clip because he, Kirby Smart really showed some of his personality, which I feel like we just don't get that often in a public setting. Yeah, it's so funny, Saban. He just fired up an email. You know what I'm saying? Like he he has had an email address in forever. And, you know, about two, three weeks into quarantine, he realized he's going to have to get online. And uh, I saw that little thing he did with the 103-year-old man, you know. Yeah. All he was doing is letting everybody know he could FaceTime. That's <laughs> all he was doing is knowing he's back in the game. So don't 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 sleep on Bama. I know they're down there at that 50, 60 spot somewhere down there in, in recruiting. The, don't worry. Saban's going to get his. He's just getting a crash course on uh, technology these last few weeks. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Shane, so I've been waiting to say this. You ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. My my daughters said something about me wearing a visor and need to put on a hat because I'm getting bald. So uh, so I'm going to wear a hat from here on out. I mean, if you look over the next six years, I think we played Miami three times, Florida State six times, South Florida three times, Mississippi State once. So who's the SEC teams? You know, I mean, I don't think I think it's an injustice for the kids. They should, we should mix those games up, and you should, um, you know, play more teams from the West. Why, why don't you start calling around and see if you can get somebody else to play us, and we'll play them. Right, we'll play anybody you can get to play us. And Louisiana, hold on a second. Hey guys, hey, I'm having a press conference, okay? Thank you. All right, biggest news here in the SEC outside of Tennessee's recruiting, which we'll get to in a moment here, but roll tide. Big news out of Tuscaloosa because Talia Tungavaloa, baby <laughs> Tua, as he's been called on this show, <laughs> leaving Alabama's not yet decided where he's going to go. But my God, Shane, here we are on May 11th, and we got a candidate for worst take of the season because I said <laughs> Talia would be the starting quarterback by season's end. Now I look like a complete jackass, but thoughts on Talia leaving the program. And, you know, it's interesting because I think had he been given the spring, a lot of these guys, not just him, but all all across the SEC, you know, it's probably hard for a lot of these kids to know where they stand on the depth chart without having spring football. Well, to be fair, you didn't say where he would be starting. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I, I I thought maybe Miami, obviously, because his because his brother's down there. But uh, it seems like you heard something about FIU. I heard Maryland was in the mix. Uh, uh, you know, Lockley's up there, so uh, I'm kind of curious where he goes. I, I don't know. Miami's picking up some momentum. Uh, I, I, as far as recruiting and stuff, so who knows? He may go down there, but um, but to be fair, um. I think there's some writing on the wall, man. I mean, I don't think baby Tua just says, you know what, this isn't going to work out. I think he's heard something, you know, whether it's this uh, love kid or, you know, maybe just he, he felt like he wasn't going to have that opportunity down there. Somebody's told him and, and probably didn't want the same, I don't know, Jalen storyline coming into this year. Mm-hmm. Well, I got to be honest. I think this is whole. <laughs> Daddy Tua telling him what the hell to do. You know what I mean? He makes all the decisions down with that family, and if they don't listen, the belt comes off. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. That's 
as soon as they they move, whenever you see these people, you know, it's not just them I'm talking, because I've seen it other players too, but the entire family moves, you know, across the country to follow a player uh, when he's playing football. I just, I don't know, that strikes me as a little weird because I, it seems like you're potentially stunning the growth, you know, the personal development. But that's, I think it's like their family, man. I mean, if that's the way they have always been raised and who knows his parents and his parents that may be the same thing. And I watched a video the other day, uh, Tua giving his mom that Cadillac. Did you see that? Yeah, that was great. Yeah, that was awesome, man. The whole family was there and stuff. I just, I don't know. I, I think they're just a unit, man. And and when you pick on one, you pick on all, I I guarantee you punch somebody in that family, all 50 are going to (laughs) come out of the house and whoop you, you know? So that's just, that's just how it is. And, uh, um, you know, I don't know if if that's why he's transferring. We don't know, but I I guarantee, just like you're saying, his dad have a, had a heavy influence in this decision. Mm-hmm. And he'll have a heavy influence on where he goes next. <laughs> what did daddy get? I mean, I know mom got the caddy, but what did dad get? You know, no, new belt. <laughs> just kidding. Well, sticking with Alabama here, real quick, they did land a four star receiver, so the recruiting's already picking up. Jacory Brooks out of South Florida. And why that's noteworthy outside of the fact that Alabama seems like every three to four years they land an elite recruit receiver out of South Florida and he becomes a, uh, an all-SEC all player, goes on to NFL success. Ja'Cory Brooks may be the next, but it's interesting. I want to wrap that into the next team because the Gators were trending in Brooks' commitment. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, once again, Nick Saban makes a call. Gets the guy he wants. Dan Mullen's program is, you know, left holding the bag. So let's jump down to Gainesville. Where, in addition to Brooks's decision, they had a true freshman, second highest rated early enrollee in their most recent class, Isaiah Walker Jr. Announces he's jumping into the portal. He goes to Miami. So for the second year in a row, I remember two years ago it was Kevin Steele. Their highest-rated signee jumped back in the portal, and I can't even remember where he went. USC and Oregon, mm-hmm. and back to USC. I think he's at USC <laughs> now. But yeah. man, you just can't have this. And you know what I do know about Walker, though. I I don't really want to pile on Dan Mullen and his program because I think this kid. You know, I don't want to air any dirty laundry, so I'm not going to give any specifics. But I think this would have happened. He almost went to South Carolina. That was a weird recruitment. So had he signed with South Carolina, I still think he would have left and would have went closer to home. So I don't put this one on Dan Mullen and company, but man, it's just, it's a tough look when you got all these, you know, elite prospects leaving the state and then you compound that by, my God, how many times have we talked about Zach Evans, Mm five-star running back, Gator fans thought they were getting him. And then here on Monday morning, he's, (laughs) <laughs> all out of the blue TCU, which was not even involved in his recruiting to my knowledge till the very end here. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very high on Florida this year. I don't, I've, and obviously none of these decisions outside of Zach Evans affects the team next year on the field. But I mean, do they get, they, do they need to get this turned around here in, in Gainesville on the recruiting trail or what, or I mean, I, are they going to be competitive? Yeah. I, I, th- I think we're, we're taking a small snapshot of the bigger picture. You know, Florida's still sitting there at the sixth spot with 24-7 sports. They they still got a ton of recruits coming in. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to 
to kind of create momentum yourself. You mm-hmm. know, you see this transfer here, you, you know, kind of create that storyline. We've, we've done this with several schools in the past. I, I am a little worried because there was a few Florida, uh, Florida recruits that were deadlocked, you know, and it seems like they're getting further and further apart during this, uh, this away time. Right. So, you know, this is something we, we thought about when Dan went down there, you know, he's not an ace recruiter. He's a, he's a, he's a hell of a, you know, coach, he, you know, he can get you to the next level. Uh, but you know, he needs to build a staff around him to help him recruit. And it seems like, I don't know, they kind of loosened that grip up the last few weeks, but I'm, I'm not going to overreact because like I said, they're still a top six team in, in, in the country, you know, and they have plenty of time to turn this thing around. So, uh, but you know, I don't know. It's kind of, as a Tennessee fan, <laughs> I, I've definitely made fun of the situation. You know what I'm saying? Right. Well, it does seem like every summer we're saying, what in the hell, Dan Mullen can't recruit. <laughs> and then by Saturday day, he's got a top 10 class. You know what? So, exactly. Because they're winning 9, 10, 11 games every year. So, uh, yeah, I think it's more important what they do on the field. And yeah. that momentum will translate to recruiting. But I do want to make this one final note because this was a bad look. And this is not even specifically calling out Dan Mullen, but former Gator defensive back Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, now of the New Orleans Saints, took to Twitter on Friday and said, here's his direct quote, it's hard to graduate from a school when you know the shit they said about you to damn near not have a job at the next level. So, I mean, you got this. What what does that mean? Uh, I've read that, and I'm trying to decide. I I had trouble understanding. (laughs) It may just be the Tennessee in me, but can you kind of explain what that meant or what you think that means? Right. So, again, he didn't specifically mention Dan Mullen here, so I'm not saying he's talking about Dan Mullen, but Dan Mullen did you know, publicly come out right before this kid announced that he was leaving school early for the NFL and said, you know, we, we don't have any underclassmen ready for the <laughs> NFL. And then this kid comes out and goes in the fourth round. But, you know, kind of what you read into this is Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is saying somebody at Florida – whether it's a head coach or position coach or what have you, is telling people in the NFL, you know, this kid's not ready. He can't play in the NFL. Don't take this Mm. guy. And then here he is a year later saying, you know, I'm trying to get my degree finally from the school, but why would I want to get my degree from there when they're talking shit about me? You know what I mean? So, again, he's not calling out anyone specifically, but – you know Jeremy Pruitt, Kirby <laughs> Smart, Nick Saban. They're like, hey, recruits, did you see this? You know, anything out there negative like this, um, it's just it's just bad publicity. And that's what you can't do, man. You can't afford to do. It, there's a way, you know, there's a way to talk to these players and, and try to convince them to come back to the university for one more year. You know, you saw Dabo doing this not too long ago, just boohooing because people went to the NFL to, you know, chase their dreams and you can't you can't be like that because you're also creating a pipeline to the nfl you know sometimes your best recruiters are the ones that play on sunday you know they're getting those care packages and you know tweeting out stuff about georgia or alabama or tennessee you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and if you if you destroy that bridge then these kids don't see they, they you know it's easy to become negatively recruited so 
you got to be careful with with the guys and, and and make it a smooth. If they decide to go pro, help them. Don't burn the bridge. Absolutely. Will, talk about having issues on the recruiting trail. Let's jump to somewhere where that is not the case. Let's jump on down to Rocky Top. Well, my goodness, Shane, I don't even know how we waited this long without getting to it, but Tennessee, again, hot on the recruiting trail, added three more four-star recruits over the weekend, mm. starting with uh, defensive lineman Katron Evans, big lineman out of Maryland. And the next day, they got his teammate, four-star linebacker Aaron Willis, and then uh, again on Sunday, four-star quarterback Kadon Salter, one of the top quarterback prospects in the nation now Tennessee already had the number two recruiting class in the nation number one in the SEC Mm. and they're just stacking recruit after recruit after recruit onto this class and I think this is the most impressive two-week run I've ever seen outside of you know landing guys on national signing day sometimes you get a flurry at that point but over a two-week span I don't think I've ever seen anything like this what is your feeling being our Tennessee homer, seeing all these kids commit to the big orange. Hell, I'm on cloud nine, man. I'm like, I'm. Have you ever seen them Billy Mays commercials, those infomercials? And and wait, there's more. You know, it's just like, <laughs> just when you think, like, all right, man, we're there, and then all of a sudden he just lays one more recruit on us. I tell you what, that Will Coxon kid probably ain't gonna be allowed in the state of Florida because he is a he's our ace recruiter. You know, don't get me wrong. I like Ansley. I like Moose. I like his. But if you get these players hyped up, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then then these these kids want to play together. This is his friends, you know. So I, I love it, man. I'm, I'm riding this thing. I, I don't know how many more we can sign to or full, but I'm sure we're going to find space if they're good enough. Yeah, and we really shouldn't be too surprised by this, considering the fact Tennessee's got three assistants on their staff that have all won Recruiter of the Year. And, hell, the best one this recruiting cycle, Derek Ansley, is not even among those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but let me ask you this, because, you know, you hear it all the time now. Is, well, my God, Butch Jones did this. Why is this different in your mind? I mean, I've got my own thoughts on it, but I want to hear what you have to say is why, you know, this is significantly different here with the way they're doing it this spring uh, under Jeremy Pruitt. I think right now just the development uh you know the things he was able to do with the young kids last year shows me that he is able to develop maybe it's not on both sides of the ball just yet but definitely on defense and that's what a majority of these guys are so i'm kind of excited about that um but i mean apples and oranges i was excited when when butch landed that class you know and 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 you look on tape like oh man these guys are going to be great but you know, it's it's identifying the talent, something that he was able to do at Georgia. It's something he was able to do at Alabama. So maybe it's not just we're picking stars. It's he's picking what's going to make this team better, it feels like. So um, I don't know. I, I still I mean, we're we're way off. You know, you look at 24 seven ratings. I mean, I first thing you hear most people talking about are the stars. Have you noticed that? It's like <laughs> it's like we get one. They're like, yeah, but look, they're. You know, all them three stars on your team. And and I, I think that's a horrible argument. I, I think this what you gotta look at is the staff that is getting these players. 
what have they done in the past? You know, who have they locked up in the past? Have there been some duds? Absolutely. But have there been some hits? Absolutely. So 24-7 is a good guideline. But, you know, I, I don't want to get too far into it. One of the biggest I, – I heard just – for example, I'm, I'm going down this rabbit hole. Somebody was talking about uh, they're just they're mad. They're mad, but hurt that Tennessee's doing good in recruiting. They said something like, yeah, this reminds me of what LSU did a couple years ago, you know, and they were referring to the 2017 LSU that had uh, a lot of three stars. You know, they, they had a flurry of, of recruits commit and this that's the same damn team that won a national championship, Mike. You know, so I'm hoping that is the route we're going. You know, and you look on there, the worst kid that committed to LSU was Jefferson, and he was the 22nd pick, so he was a three star. You just never know what you're going to get, and um, and you can say that about all teams. I, I mean, I can sit here and try to paint a picture that this is the perfect class. But I may look back two years from now and say, what the hell were we doing? You know, what What did 24-7 see in these kids? Or we may be saying, that's the first time we ever had seven go in the first round. You just never know what you're going to have. You know, 24-7 is a good – I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. There's a reason they're the best in the business. It's, you know, identifying talent. But there's some times they miss, man. Absolutely. And, you know, I think one thing you that was critical that you hit on there was the fact that, much of Tennessee's staff has a lot of experience, particularly in the SEC, in coaching and recruiting and identifying talent. And you want to pick apart Tennessee's three stars. Well, it's almost the opposite of what you were saying there with Butch Jones, where it certainly seemed at times he was adding players more for their recruiting rankings than mm-hmm. their ability to play. If Jeremy Pruitt thinks you're a good enough player as a three-star if Jim Chaney thinks that, if Derek Ansley thinks that, I got to believe those kids can play based on what they've, you know, their track record. And you see these players, former Alabama players, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not even talking trash. We've seen so much people subtweeting and, and trash in Tennessee. <laughs> these kids are, well, they're, they're grown men now, but they're saying, you know, I'm not surprised because this is Jeremy Pruitt. We know what he can do. He did it for us. He's doing it again at Tennessee. And I think a key difference here is you saw under Butch Jones, yes, you know, a lot of people don't reference this, but he did sign a top five class, but about, I think it was like 30-something prospects in that class. Mm -hmm. And I think about six were there by their senior year. (laughs) Whereas under Coach Pruitt, I can't think of anyone that he signed in three years that's left the program yet. Right. And I know they had one that went to the transfer portal and he came back and he played. So – He's been very open to, you know, letting these kids explore their options. And, hell, even guys like Cade Mays, who said no to Coach Pruitt and Philip Fulmer, you know, they didn't burn that bridge. They said, all right, we're going to recruit your brother. And they got his brother, and now they got Cade. So it's like yeah. they just handle their business, and they it seems like they believe what they're doing. They're not burning these bridges, and it's paying off big time. Absolutely, man. You got to be the fun program. I mean, you got to remember these are kids. And just what was it? You talk about that Kate class. You know, Georgia kind of created this little hype train, if you remember. Everybody wanted to be a part of it, you know, and that's why they built the number one class that year. So, that's, I mean, that's what these guys are doing. You know, it's 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 a sales it's a sales game, man. You're a salesman. And 
they're selling the kids that on the dream of being something new and different. And uh, it's working. Whatever they're doing is working right now. Now, obviously, I enjoy the bag men comments. I enjoy the NCAA violation, uh, you know, comments because that's <laughs> going to come with good things. You know, when you're doing good, people are going to are going to say stuff. You know, just like I said about Bama for the last ten years. You know, <laughs> there's no sanctions coming down yet, but uh, you know, it's just. That's just that's just football, man. It's part of it, and uh, we're doing good now. But who knows? Three months from now, it may be another team. So, I, I just I'm not gonna get too too pumped up. It is it's still May. It's still a ways away from them actually signing that letter. Mm-hmm. A last thing on Tennessee's recruiting at this point. Just wanted to make this point, and this was shared by David Pascal of the Chattanooga Times. So I want to give him credit for finding this nugget. But Tennessee's got more out of state commits than any program in the nation has total commits. Mm. So that, again, that's a little bit different because Butch Jones was loading up on Tennessee in-state guys. He got, you know, it was good timing more than anything. Whereas Jeremy Pruitt and his staff, it doesn't, they don't care where you're from. If you want to come be a Vol, they're, they're ready to come get you. I like that. All right. So let's jump down to LSU real quick where they just landed a running back. Four well, the pop real, real quick too, the pipeline that they've established with that, uh, Oh, that uh, Maryland school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's you know that's kind of like uh, you know how Florida's got the um, IG. IG. Yeah, it's kind of like that, man. I, I did a lot of research on this. You know, we, I think we got two. Or, I mean, there's kids next year at that school. If, man, if you can establish a pipeline to a school like that, then uh, that that can help any program. So sorry, just mm-hmm. I got just started thinking about that. I got you. Well, jump on down to Baton Rouge real quick, where they just go Tigers landed a guy. Four-star running back Corey Kiner, and why I just really wanted to share this nugget with you. This kid scored eight touchdowns in one game. He's <laughs> going into his senior season. Obviously, he's already the all-time leading rusher and scorer in his high school's history up there in Ohio, and you know maybe a little Joe Burrow connection. So LSU's getting hot on the recruiting trail, and of course they just landed Garrett Nussmeyer. That's his name. Four-star quarterback. LSU knocking on the door of a top 10 recruiting class so ed orgeron and his program obviously heating up following that national championship and then let's jump on down to lexington well real quick eight touchdowns in one game yeah i i mean he just takes them for granted you know i played football for 13 years you know how many touchdowns i scored mike (laughs) zero 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 (laughs) i was close on one uh, I'll, I'll, let me take you back memory lane here for a second. We were going, uh, we blocking a punt. Terry Barnett blocked the punt. And, uh, of course, you know, I got this full face mask cause I'm a lineman can't see shit out of it. I'm trying to find the football. Terry finds it and he picks it up and he starts running. We're about to the seven yard line, the supposing team, right? Mm-hmm. And he's got bodies all over him, two or three, you know, and I'm right beside him. I'm like, piss the ball, Terry. <laughs> just give me the ball man i thought for sure i was going to score a touchdown but uh he took it all the way to the turf man and i just sat there with my hands out like a loser seven yard line so that's as close as i ever got to a touchdown mike <laughs> i got a feeling if Corey kiner was on your team he would have he would have given you one of them at least one come on Corey. <laughs> all right let's jump off down to lexington real quick we're My God, Shane, I know at one point you coined Tennessee as transfer portal U. 
I think Kentucky's gotten that one, but they're going in the wrong direction. They've lost five guys to the transfer portal this week. And a lot of these are younger players. Freshman quarterback, Amani Gilmore. Freshman lineman, Kayvon Butler. Uh, we got sophomore defensive end, Devon Hawkins. Sophomore receiver, B.J. Alexander. And then redshirt senior, fullback, Drew Schlegler. <laughs> Butchered that one, but I don't know what... The name my cat, we don't want him there. You know what I'm saying, Mike? <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on there at Lexington. I do. I reached out to a guest up there, covers Kentucky football, so he's going to give us an insight here on the next episode. But I do know Kentucky is uh, one of these, in one of these situations where they got too many scholarship guys coming into the season, so they probably are you know not too pissed off to see some of these guys leaving but I don't know it's interesting anytime five guys in a week go into the transfer portal I'm sure they have all got their unique reasons but I would uh, from a perception standpoint it's not exactly great yeah maybe I mean but they've had some come in you know so I the thing about Kentucky it, it feels like feels like they've always been a team that's planned for the future. You know what I'm saying? Right. But it feels like this season they're playing for now. It, maybe that's it. Maybe they're putting all the chips in. They would be surprised if there were some transfers that come in that may be able to help them immediately. So um, I don't know. I, I'm not too worried about this. I mean, kids transfer out all the time. Uh, it's not like it's impactful stars. Now, is it, is it depth? Yeah, absolutely. But I think um, – I think there's a reason that some of these kids left, and I don't want to speculate, but I, I think Kentucky's playing for this season, and they got – what were their odds? It was, uh, was it 100? Kentucky was at 100 to 1. Yeah, they're the only ones yeah. at 100 to 1. That's the one I, I'm going to put money on. So, I mean, that's – I think that's the team everybody's going to sleep on. We say that every year, but I really do. I, th I think that's going to be a dangerous ball club. I think Terry's going to – I think he's going to be the dude, and uh, I think they're going to be in good shape. And I, I think they're just they're just playing for now, Mike. Who cares about next year? Kentucky, if they're going to win, it's got to be now. Yeah, that's interesting because you know you you want to look at. Yes, they may be losing some guys, but they added Joey Gatewood, mm -hmm. they added Kelvin Joseph, both through the transfers, and you're you're talking about potentially huge impact players for Kentucky next season. So they're getting better guys than they're losing. And there's a chance that they're going to greenlight all these kids. You know that, right? Right. So, I mean, if they if they can get some more transfers onto that onto that field, you know, this year and this off season, I mean, there's a better chance that they get to play immediately. Mm -hmm. All right, last team to hit on here. Let's jump on down to Fayetteville. Woo pig. Where we obviously don't have a ton of news, but they've been heating up on the recruiting trail. And they landed a running back. I watched this guy. My God, he's only a three-star, but he's on the borderline of being a four-star. Javon Hunt. If you're a Razorback mm. fan, you've not seen this guy. He really seems to fit the mold of what they want there in Fayetteville, where I know under Chad Morris, you know, they wanted kind of the scat back type guys that can catch the ball. And this Hunt does not really seem to be in that mold. He's more of a big physical while still having speed, he kind of reminded me, I hate to even throw this name out there because it's not fair, but almost like a Derrick Henry type running back. I mean, mm -hmm. he was damn bulldozing people on the recruiting film I saw of him. So remember that name, Javon Hunt, Arkansas, got a real good get out of, out of that one. And 
Um, I'm just very impressed by him. They also land a three-star corner, Keon Parker. So Sam Pittman and company, sounds like they're adjusting to the virtual recruiting themselves. They're starting to pick things up there, and you know they're going to need some help. And with this staff, what they've been able to do on the recruiting trail so far, I got a, I got a feeling, much like we were talking with Jeremy Pruitt, I think Arkansas has probably found themselves two really good players here. Absolutely. All right, Shane. So I, that's all I've got on this one. I, we went around the league. And like I said, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive here on what's going on in Kentucky because they also got some commitments. But I really, I, you know, I'm going to wait till we get our guest on. He give us some more information on all that. But okay. glad to have you back. Anything else before we hop off here? No, Mike, it's good to be back. Uh, like I said, I really appreciate you and uh, my brother Joe just keeping this thing rolling. Uh, I guess he's a. Uh, is he awake yet in Hawaii? I don't know. What time is it out there? <laughs> He's out there on the beach, that lucky bastard. Uh, so, I, 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 oh, thank you, Siri. My own business. Look, they done tapping me, man. See if I got that corona. They're trying to track me everywhere. <laughs> Bill Gates, get off my phone. <laughs> just kidding. Not getting political. But, no, it's just good to be on and, uh, Missed you guys, and uh, I'm ready for football, Mike. It's right around the corner. I mean, we're talking two months. Some serious, some serious decisions are going to be made. Um, you know, we got media days coming up. I, I'm, I mean, it, it's it, it's getting there, man. It's it's been a tough crawl, man. We've had to go through <laughs> some stuff, but I guarantee this, you, you're going to appreciate football a little bit more this fall. Uh, I know I am because if we don't have it, that that, golly, that hurt. That that would suck. Yeah, absolutely, will. If you enjoy this show, you enjoy this content, we're going to keep it coming for you guys. All we ask you, please give us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts. We'll even send you a free koozie, free of charge. Mm. We're disinfecting that bad boy. No, <laughs> we're not giving anyone Coronas. We don't got it. So uh-uh. that's all we ask. If you wouldn't mind doing that, we, we really would appreciate it. But that's all we got on this one. Thanks for joining me. As always, Shane, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go Vols.